Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. All right, welcome back to the program. Tom McConnell filling in for Jim Chapman, as is the case most Wednesdays. However, I guess it was a holiday hangover last Wednesday. I think that was the reason. It was July 2nd. We couldn't rouse these guys out on July on July 2nd. I think recovering from any fireworks viewings, I believe, or, right and such. It was a day off. It was a day off. But left, right, and center returns. The glorious combination of Schlemmer and Metz. Back on the program. Right on. Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz, how are you, gentlemen? Not too bad. How about yourself? I'm not doing too bad. How's the summer been treating you? Um, actually, I've enjoyed this summer because it's been cooler, and I like the cooler summers. It's a little warm right now, but hey, this is great. Okay. You know? um, I just um, insist on being able to complain when it's uh, rainy and, and stuff. I complain and wish it was uh, sunny when it's sunny and hot, then I complain about the heat. So. Oh, you're one of those guys. Yeah. Too cold in February, too hot in July. Exactly. Never happy. <laughs> I think a typical <laughs> Canadian, though. Yeah. I think a typical Canadian because I was mentioning... Uh, the first day we had a heat wave, the first hot day, it was 28 degrees out. It took me two hours before I heard someone complain, too hot. It's already <laughs> exactly. since the first hot day. And already somebody's complaining, it's too hot. Land. When is this going to end? No, I can't take this heat. <laughs> I think he was down from a capoose casing or something like that. I don't know where he was from, but if you don't like this heat, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? All right. Headline in the Globe and Mail today. Just want to, I don't know how exciting it is off the air. Uh, you know, it may be a case of, uh, as Jeff reported to, you know, referred to it as saber rattling. Angry Eves eyes federal powers that furious with Ottawa's refusal to improve its SARS relief offer. Ontario is developing plans to withdraw from key areas of federal provincial cooperation, in part by establishing its own income tax system, own income tax and immigration systems. Therefore, uh, it would become, it would mirror or uh, model itself after Quebec, which has its own income tax, which has its own pension system, which has its own immigration system, pretty much has its, uh, its own system for everything. Uh, and Ontario says, you know what? We're, we're tired of being, you know, the driving force in the Confederation. We're going to set up our own deal. Bob? Any thoughts? Well, I think to you and I, it makes very little difference. To the provincial government, it makes a big difference. Because right now, they have to go ha cap in hand to the federal government mm -hmm. for funds for certain things because they're tied by that relationship. So all that Eves wants to do is, is avoid having to do that and go straight into our pockets without any other intermediary there. He wants uh, to I mean, if he's, if he's upset because the federal government didn't give him X million dollars for SARS, where'd that money come from? Right out of your pocket and mine, same as anybody else. So all he wants to do is get into our pockets directly. And uh, I can see the motivation for that. But I think for you and I, it makes very little difference, given that the, his government is committed to more spending and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just every year you can count on your taxes being higher this than is, the year before. He's just really trying to exchange tax points because, you know, we pay the least. I mean, we play municipal, we play provincial, we play federal, but... Mm -hmm. That we pay the majority to the federal government, and then they transfer it back to the provincial. Even though the province covers our health care, we pay the federal taxes with transfer it back. He would like to see those tax points the, the go whole, to the province. Our whole system of government is based on welfare. I remember when I first heard about equalization payments. I was running it in a, in a federal election, believe it or not, and I had never heard about this principle before. And uh, when it dawned on me what they were doing... I was thinking to myself, and this is back in the 70s, um, how can a country survive that's just, you know, robbing the rich to pay the poor all the time? And what you do is you end up perpetuating poverty that way. Instead you of, send so much money out to yeah. 
the Atlantic provinces. And you don't allow capital to flow where it, where it's doing the most good. You sort of are saying, everybody, where you are, you got to sit there, stay there. And we're, if you don't like it where you are, well, we'll send you more money if, uh, if you can't afford it or something like that. What a ridiculous premise for a country. A country should be about freedom, about individual rights, about the sovereignty of the individual, not of states. And I think Canada has long passed that point. I think we're at the danger point right now. And the discontent between governments is just another symbol of that. It's uh, um, The federal government has been operating outside of its really proper jurisdiction. It has no right to do anything about health care or education or any of those issues. What it does is it makes a deal with the provinces and says, if you institute our plan, we will give you so much money towards it. And, of course, they always bite on the hook. It's just like the municipalities biting on provincial funds. They get involved in these multi-million dollar projects, thinking that they're getting ahead of the game because it's provincial money, right? Well, that's coming out of your pocket and mine, too. And to the, to the degree that it isn't, to the degree that your money is going to Toronto and Toronto's money is coming here, that's totally unjust. So, to me, the whole thing's a shell game, a huge shell game, and we're all the patsies paying for it all. Jeffrey? Well, I, I, I don't know. I worry about this separatist movement. I look at these wild-eyed guys like Ernie Eves and uh, Rene Levesque. I don't know. Uh, I guess the, the thing that's happening right now is that this is really just a fight about, uh, about getting money for, um, for, the, for SARS. And uh, from the standpoint of Ontario, the last thing I think that Ontario wants to do is to separate from Canada and to uh, and to um, make you know the kind of threats that Quebec has made. And the reason is that Ontario is the biggest province. It's uh, if you like the majority shareholder in Canada, and has always done very well as being part of Canada. So when you're doing well uh, in a place, uh, the last thing you want to do is to break away and go off on your own. What essentially uh, each of the provinces can argue and every municipality can argue is we can do things better by ourselves than working together. And uh, again, usually that's, that's, that's an empty thread. And particularly, again, with a province like Ontario, we look back, uh, oh, uh, even in the time of John A. Macdonald, that uh, the big complaint was that uh, we had tariffs that protected Ontario uh, industry so that people had to buy Massey Ferguson uh, farm implements rather than buying international harvester ones out of Chicago. Uh, the Westerners hated that. But Canada has always been designed around serving Ontario first. Uh, Ontario has always done extremely well out of it. And yeah, we pay transfers off to other uh, areas of the country, Newfoundland and whatever. But having said that, being part of Canada has always been good for Ontario. So it's not something that, that realistically uh, Ernie wants to do. Having said that, though, there are some, some things that he's already announced that he wants to. One of them is around immigration policy, that he wants to take more control about immigration uh, in Ontario, which I think Quebec does as well. Uh, he wants to, for instance... There's been an ongoing fight about funding uh, immigration litigation. So somebody comes here as a refugee and they need a lawyer to uh, to make their claim um, that the the person is brought in by the Canadian government, but the Ontario government pays their legal fees. And Ernie doesn't like that at all. And I understand his point on that. Uh, so there are some ways that he's pressing for more provincial autonomy. Um, having said that, though, I see yesterday he's uh, meeting with Jeb Bush and, uh, you know, talking about uh, uh, Canadian-American relations, and he was doing that during the Iraq war as well and saying, you know, that uh, we should be in the war uh, with uh, the states. 
uh, against Iraq. So I think Ernie's also looking for issues. Uh, right now he knows that he's really low in the polls. Uh, I saw Jamie Watt uh, speak a couple of weeks ago, who's uh, kind of the brains behind the common sense revolution. And he said, we, he said, there's no magic. He said, we're not calling an election now because we can't win on the numbers we have now. We've got to find an issue to grab onto that will pull us up. So I think that from Ernie's standpoint, it's good politics to be out there and be seen to be fighting uh, against the federal government on a unpopular issue like SARS uh, relief. Uh, it's an issue that he can gain a lot of popularity in Toronto on, I think, which is where he's historically quite weak. Uh, and if he can grab a bunch of money for uh, for uh, Toronto from the federal government, that can only help him in the polls. You know, it's funny that uh, Jeff brings up how the federal there's a federal law about refugees. You know, they force the province to pay for the litigation fees. Now, that's what I call totally irresponsible and unaccountable government. To have one level of government create a law for which it is not financially responsible and to impose the financial responsibility on another body that has no jurisdiction over the matter. That's utterly obscene uh, that we even allow stuff like that in our, in our legal system. I agree with Jeff I that... Uh-huh. <laughs> I agree. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with Jeff that... The date Ernie was Eves is Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> Here's another agreement coming up that Ernie Eves is looking for issues. Desperately, he's looking for issues. Funny he should pick on immigration. I don't know what he really sees as the issue there, being uh, pretty much a, a complete red Tory himself. The real problem with immigration is that we are a socialist country, and a socialist country cannot absorb immigrants very well. They they can become a, as much a drain as an asset. So, uh, you know, in the early capitalist days of this country, when we didn't have all these social programs, immigration was openly welcomed, and you wanted anyone in who could be productive. And I think that was the key to most of our policies at the time. Today, we've taken this whole... Uh, uh, refugee help the in, indigent and poor and everyone else, you know, uh, and let them in the country. And then what a lot of them, some countries have even been cut off completely because they know that some of their immigrants come here to get, take advantage of our generous welfare systems. So I don't know, uh, until we cut our government spending, till there's more autonomy for the individual, immigration is going to continue to be a problem. You know, principally I'm in favor of open and free immigration, but it's not sustainable in a country where everybody's transferring everybody's wealth to everybody else. Well, I think what Ernie wants is uh, is to be able to uh, cherry-pick sort of uh, even more than they do now, and they, and they certainly cherry-pick dramatically in the sense that we, you, know, you look at the number of doctors uh, in Ontario, for instance, who have come from other countries. We, we tend to be very selective in who we let in, but the, the, the tougher issue is around, uh, around refugees. It's funny, though, that federal immigration policies have actually tightened up quite a bit in the last, uh, oh, the last five or six years. I remember there was a, a case in the paper last Last year of a, a couple that had come from England and they had come to uh, New Brunswick about 10 years ago. They, they had brought their savings with them. They had started a business. They were doing well and everything else. They got deported because uh, they didn't have enough points under this new system. And uh, it, it's funny in the sense that, well, this country was, you know, <laughs> all red at one point English, uh, I guess, uh, after having beaten the, uh, the French and whatever it was, 1765. And uh, so we have this kind of schizophrenic policy around immigration right now, but I think it's a good wedge issue, though, because there are a lot of people, particularly if you're unemployed and you perceive that somebody from another country is going to come get your job, then it's an issue that Ernie can gain some points on, although he has to be careful again because, as you say, he himself is a red Tory. And, and You see, that's a total difference in attitude. Um, you can almost tell the difference in how a person thinks or how they think of an immigrant. I think of an immigrant coming here and creating jobs because those are all the immigrants I know. My father was one of them. He he had about eight or twelve yeah, companies, had unionized country. labor, hired hundreds of people over his lifetime, yeah. and uh, 
you know, and yet today so many people think of an immigrant as coming over to take away jobs. And or we think of them as refugees or as refugees who are in the welfare system. You know, either way, they're a threat. And um, again, on the latter half, it's absolutely true. If you're living in a very highly socialized society, they are a threat to you. You're in a fixed pie system. There's only so much. And and the job of government, and this is what Ernie Eves is into, is um, rationing. We ration health care. We ration education. Instead of creating more and having more production, we ration it. We do the Soviet Union style of, of medicine and the Soviet Union style of, of, of uh, education. And we wonder why we have such poor quality and such poor uh, outcomes and why, our, why the budgets keep rising despite falling enrollments, despite rising enrollments, despite anything. You know, it's just a, it's a machine that goes on its own. But I don't know whether it's an issue that's going to get him the traction that he needs. Like, to me, Ernie needs an issue that he can grab of and just look like a, a superhero. Like, if he could do something about car insurance, okay. for instance. I was going to ask you that. Okay, <laughs> because that's a big, yeah. Well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about car insurance because it was an issue in New Brunswick. It's going to be an issue in Nova Scotia. It's an issue except for, let's see, uh, it's not an issue in B.C. It's not an issue in Manitoba. Anywhere where they have the public auto insurance, of course it can't be an issue or a very minor one. But here in Ontario and a lot of provinces where we have uh, private car insurance, private auto insurance, it's becoming a huge election issue. And uh, did Ernie, uh, I guess head off the tide by making his announcements or do you see it as an issue coming up in the next election? Left, right and center back after this on Talk of the Town. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK where interesting people talk and London listens. All right, welcome back to Talk of the Town. Tom McConnell filling in for Jim Chapman. Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer in on this segment. Left, right, and center, as we like to call it, every Wednesday. Someone's lep- representing the right, someone's representing the left, and someone's representing the center. Now, I'm really confused because you guys just agreed on some issues. So, who knows? Who knows where we're coming from today? Now, Look, the, it's so Canadian. Of it's us. so we Canadian. Know, <laughs> we've left, That's why we can't lost. do a rant radio like you can in the southern United States. No, the rant <laughs> radio. Got to bring up the right subject to watch us fly. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. You ready? Okay. Here comes some gas in the engine. Let's go. Auto insurance. Now, rising rates across uh, the country in a lot of jurisdictions for a number of reasons that are given: falling profits in the stock market, uh, rising rehabilitation costs. Uh, losses in terms of global problems stemming from 9-11, that the reinsurers lost a lot of money, and then they're charging the insurers that they cover uh, greater premiums, and then the insurers are going out to everything, including, uh, we saw the London Air Show, any events, but auto insurance uh, being a, a major component of that. number of factors involved. Now, Eves has introduced legislation that he hopes will stem the rising cost of auto insurance. We've seen people who haven't even been in an accident and the rates go up 10%. My rates went up 10% last year, and you know I thought I was becoming a better driver. No tickets, no accidents, nothing, and my rates went up 10%. Same happened to me, and I had a uh, you know, pretty clean record for years. I hardly drive. I'm one of those minimal drivers. You know, um, I spend way more on car insurance than I do on gasoline, believe it or not. So uh, I, I see it as a major expense. The real problem with, with auto insurance, and I know this is going to not be too palatable for a lot of people, but it's the fact that it's mandatory. It should not be mandatory. And you should have a free market in prices. And, All right, and there are states, believe it or not, that do not have mandatory insurance, and they have fewer uninsured drivers on the road. They have fewer claims for certain things. The cost of, of, uh, of their premiums are lower. 
Um, when you have a coerced market, as soon as you say you have to have insurance by law on, on certain things, remember, Ontario didn't have mandatory insurance, like forever. That was a new invention. I don't know whether it came up in the 60s or, or earlier than that. There were other provisions to cover for uninsured drivers, and it was covered in licensing fees and things like that. But generally, I think it's, it's, it's more an issue of the person being responsible for self, self-insurance to make sure that you cover yourself, not that the other guy's always responsible for What's my incentive then for getting insurance? Um, to cover yourself. Okay, what you if know? I... And if, if you're willing to take a loss, then, then you're going to take a loss or have to deal with other issues. I have no assets. The point is... I make a low wage. I'll go bankrupt. But we what have, do I care? But look at it now. We have mandatory insurance. We have rising costs. We have falling benefits, almost to the point where we don't have insurance anymore. There are so many people who are reluctant to make a claim on their insurance because even if it's for something legitimate, but it might be relatively minor, they won't do it because they know their insurance company will penalize them dramatically for it. I talked to my insurance company um, when I got my last rate increase, and they told me flatly, I won't tell you the name of the company, but they weren't even taking any new uh, applicants for car insurance for over six months. And that's a major company. Until the market sorts itself out. Yeah, well, it's being regulated to death. No-fault insurance was a disaster. Part of Ernie Eves' um, clawing back of benefits has to do with undoing the no-fault provisions. He's saying now that if you were in fault in the accident, you you can only expect so much out of it instead of no-fault and take take everything you can get. The courts are, you know, comp complicit in this whole thing and the fact of the kinds of awards that they that they give out for people. And... Again, I think that there's something seriously wrong with an industry that's supposed to be scientifically based on actuarial tables that they cannot cover their losses without having to to do all the rest of it. And I think that's because of regulation, that once you're regulated into a certain point, you're covering your costs not from premiums but from other sources, including investments and things like that. Well, well here, and, here's where we get back to our, mm-hmm. our fundamental disagreement then, although the, the investment issue, I think, is, is exactly where the problem lies. But uh, the... As it happens, I practiced insurance law for a few years and was pretty familiar with uh, with how it all worked and uh, was very active back in 1989 uh, when they brought in no faults in opposing that at the time because my livelihood depended on being able to sue people uh, in car accidents. Uh, but I think that what it really comes down to is... is w- your, who do you trust? Do you trust private sector insurers uh, who tell you that, uh, well, the reason that, uh, that claims have, or the rates have to go up is because claims have gotten so much more expensive and so on? Or do you believe uh, uh, people like the uh, public insurers who say, no, no, all it is is that uh, when insurance companies take your, your premiums, they don't have to pay them out right away, so they invest them in, in the stock market and so on. They've taken major hits on their stocks, mm-hmm. and that's where the losses lie. And if that's the case, then the question is, well, you know, Business always wants to have free reign. They don't want to be regulated. They want to be able to do their own thing. But when things go bad, then they suddenly want to say, oh, we have to have all this legislation to protect us and stuff. And, and well, no, the legislation Ernie's proposal means that all companies charge the same thing. No, no, Ernie, well, they don't. No, they don't, but within but, but No, no, what it means do. is that they say, we want to make it in Ontario so that you can't sue for things. And that's what No Fault was all about. No Fault mm-hmm. dramatically reduced the amount that you could get in a car accident if you were injured. Uh, that's what it boiled down to. And what Ernie's proposals are sort of more of the same thing, that he wants to reduce the kinds of things you can sue for and reduce the amount you get. And as you say, what's happened with insurance is that you get a lot less now for your buck than you used to. And most people, if they have a claim, even if it's over their deductible, aren't going to put a claim in nowadays because they know if they do, their insurance skyrockets. And I remember one year when I had three uh, three no-fault claims. One was a, a cracked windshield. One was somebody took a key across my trunk. And the third was that uh, a branch fell on my hood and dented it. And uh, I was told at the end of the year that I was uninsurable. 
because I'd had three claims, even though none of them were my fault. They were all minor, all less than $1,000. But they said, you're just unlucky. We're not going to insure you anymore for a scientific industry to say yes. you're unlucky. Yes, I know what uh, you mean. But you know, you asked the key question, who do you trust, private or public, meaning government? Yeah. I don't see it as an either or. I say you don't trust either. And that's why it's absolutely important that it's a private industry that's do doing it, because I want the government there as the referee. The government's there to regulate the marketplace. They're price. supposed to not be there, not to regulate prices ever. Re regulating a price... Set the rules. To, to set the rules, yes. Contract law. Um, as soon as you regulate prices, that's where you're talking about controlling the industry. That's what they're into, too. But what about but you have to limiting, have limiting liability? The government's got to be the referee. Can't be the player and the referee. Like in the states, what we're seeing is that uh, first of all, the and states don't trust either. <laughs> the states has much larger damage awards than we do in Canada. Like all these uh, two million dollars because you spill McDonald's coffee in your lap. Canada's not well, like that's that not at all. That's not a good all. thing either. Thank goodness. Canada's not like that at all because we don't ha let juries um, give give awards of whatever they want, which they t sort of do in the United States. In Canada, we're far more conservative in our typically Canadian way. Uh, even whiplash claims were always, uh, you know, a few thousand. Well, dollars. ironically, George Bush has already vowed to do something about that. But what they've <laughs> talked about doing is dramatically uh, limiting tort uh, liability so that if a, if a doctor, for instance, screws up in your surgery, that you can't sue them anymore. The amounts you get are much, much lower. And I don't know if that's if that's such a good thing either. I can see that in the States there are some cases where it's been crazy, but in Canada we really haven't been like that. Uh, we haven't been like that, but what about the case where the healthcare providers are almost complicit in this? Because, you know, it, it's a case of where if someone gets a soft tissue industry, all right, or injury, all right, I have to go and get it evaluated by a primary physician, then I got to go physiotherapist, maybe involve a chiropractor or a massage therapist. You know what? It's a couple thousand dollars. And for an insurance company, go, no, this it's going to cost them thousands of dollars to, to find out, to deny the claim versus, you know what, it's just easier, just pay it out. And a couple thousand dollars at a time in terms of, we see a huge rise in soft tissue injuries from car accidents that we never saw. Before. No, no, it's actually gone the other way. It used to be that you could sue for uh, for a whiplash injury, for instance. Now you can't. And uh, when you could sue, it was like $5,000 and, uh, and the insurance companies would pay it because it wasn't worth litigating. But when they took away the right to sue for that kind of stuff and they said, all you can do is look to your own insurer, uh, for those kinds of claims, it wasn't worth litigating. It wasn't, there was nothing really that the uh, that you could do about it except grin and bear it. As you say, there are costs that the insurer would incur as far as sending you to a physiotherapist and so on. And, and it, I think there is a problem in the sense that there's a proliferation of cost. A big one that I'm involved in is that uh, insurers and governments tend not to take, they don't believe general practitioners about anything. You know, getting a report from a GP is like the starting point, but then they want reports from specialists and from uh, from other healthcare providers. Those reports cost a lot mm -hmm. of money and are a big waste uh, as far as I'm concerned in the system. And it all comes back to this covering your butt. You want to make sure you've got all kinds of stuff in the file, documents in the file to justify having paid out benefits. Uh, and, and that's regrettable. And, and I blame lawyers for that. Uh, with all the butt covering. But I think fundamentally, Ernie's going to have a problem two reasons. One is that apparently the report on that he's uh, commissioned on this isn't going to come out till after the election. So he can't point to, here's a big change that I've made. The other thing is that, again, he is somebody who believes in the private sector. He's somebody who's not going to come out and tell the insurance companies, look, your he profits are too high. He does not believe in the private sector. He just shut them out of Ontario Hydro. He's shut them out of other industries. That's unbelievable well, that's that you're be saying that. He's too. gone in totally he's the opposite hey, direction. He's the right-wing figure. He's a complete, he's a complete <laughs> Bill Davis clone. He's a complete state status. That's all I can say about them. And you know, you talk about the healthcare industry being complicit in this. They are. It's a monopoly healthcare industry run by the government. But I don't know you how are not allowed to pay for your own healthcare. What though. a communist like, I don't know what he can do differently than Bernard Lord did. And if he doesn't do something quite different, then he's toast.
All right, we got about a minute left uh, yep. for each. So, uh, Bob, uh, not final statements, but any uh, last words as we conclude left, right, and center for this week? Well, getting back, I don't know what the big issue here. We were talking about Ernie Eves, you know, his whole thing on income tax, immigration, and trying to get the province more in control of its own affairs. I think, you know, when you step back from that, that sounds like a reasonable thing to do. But in the context of the policies that the government's committed to, I don't know that I want that government on any terms. Jeffrey? And fundamentally, I guess, again, Ernie needs to find an issue to grab onto that just makes people forget about everything else and say, he's our hero. And I just don't see these these uh, federal-provincial things. For one thing, they're too complicated. The average person can't understand them. I can't understand them either. Uh, Am I saving any money? Probably not. Yeah, at the end of the day, what's Auto insurance? Mean? I may be able to save money. Yeah, if he could point to something and say, here's exactly where you're going to save yes. and here's where it's coming from. But if he just says... You know, here's some amorphous thing. It's not gonna. It's not gonna change my mind for sure. All right, Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz in on left, right, and center. Thanks for joining us again this week, gentlemen. Thanks, Tom. Two week hiatus. You're back in a top notch form. No rust at all. No rust was evident. There you go. <laughs> and there was even well, maybe rust was evident because we did have an agreement. Yeah, yeah we did we'll have, an have to let that happen again. Yeah, all right. Next week. <laughs> next week, a little more device. There. All right. News coming up at the top of the hour with uh, Scott Kitching. He'll have your news, traffic, weather, business report. All that coming up at the top of the hour. This is News Talk 1290 CJBK. Back with Talk of the Town right after this. Seriously ill. It would seem relations between Ottawa and Queen's Park are at an all-time low. The Eves government is reportedly considering pulling out of some shared programs with the federal government. The province is looking at setting up its own income tax and immigration system, among other things. Finance Minister Janet Ecker says it's a result of frustration with the feds, and it's something that should be looked at. This is about getting the fair deal for Ontario taxpayers, Ontario residents. That's what this is about. We need more support for health care. We need more support for SARS. We need a tax collection system that Ontario taxpayers uh, can depend on. And we haven't been getting those issues, those that support from Ottawa. The most recent irritant between Ottawa and Ontario is the dispute over federal aid for the SARS crisis, but Ecker also points to past squabbles like an accounting error which resulted in overpayments to several provinces totaling $3.3 billion over several years. The beef industry is waiting to hear from the country's agriculture...